in my suffering is this, your promise preserves my life. The arrogant mock me without restraint, but I do not turn from your law. I remember your ancient laws, O Lord, and find comfort in them. Indignation grips me because of the wicked who have forsaken your law. Your decrees are the theme of my song wherever I lodge. In the night I remember your name, O Lord, and I will keep your law. This has been my practice. I obey your precepts. Nice. Okay, so we have some prayer requests. I'll give those and then we'll do the opening stuff afterward because we got somebody that needs to leave. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Loretta, she emailed me and she's she's just struggling through her issues. She just, keep her in prayer. She's just having a really difficult time of it. Um, Jack and Beth Colvin both had COVID. Yeah. Uh, he's home and he's okay. We saw him at the house. And then Beth went to rehab because she can't walk. She's, she's, uh, uh, she's just got something that's progressively gotten worse. And so she's at rehab very close to your house. So I've got the address here. If anybody wants to go visit Beth, it's right down in uh, Venice Avenue, which is not far from, no, from it's down, all. even for us, it was just a very short drive, um, minus one error that I made. But anyway, um, uh, so uh, Jack and Beth, and then Karen Goulet, remember she, okay, she, uh, had another stroke and so she can't see almost with either eye now so she's just home ridden um, uh, and then uh, let's see here Steve is in mm -hmm. Sergio is out okay so Steve got here um, is first best is the first the best because you are the first of the Aniana people to come so I'm assuming that makes you the best of the, the first crop. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we got another one that's a little tardy, huh? Okay. So we're very blessed to have Steve back from Indiana for the uh, winter, and uh, he he comes down here. He's got a better tan than anybody that lives here. So I don't know how that happens. But uh, and then uh, we've got Sir Joan Rhoda are departing on Saturday, and so he's not staying. He just came by to wish you all goodbye because uh, he's got a lot to do. He's been sick for two weeks of this month and. They've got another two weeks worth of stuff to get done in two days. So um, uh, there you go with that. Um, Epaphras from uh, uh, Tanzania, his wife is home. She's getting better. Uh, nobody has picked up the bill on, on his uh, uh, hospital. If anybody wants to do that, that's great. It'd be about $300, and uh, I can tell you how to get it to him. Uh, no big deal. If not, I will get it at the end of the month, but we'll make sure he's taken care of. And uh, still not here. Uh, Susan Garrett is having a birthday on Saturday. So, uh, yeah, I, I will just have to belittle her when she walks in late. Whatever. So we'll go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, the chance to uh, come into your presence and to uh, just re revel in who you are and uh, to ask prayers for these people that are having uh, difficult times with their physical bodies or with their uh, uh, Tom as well. I forgot to mention that Tom here has uh, just had chemotherapy this week and uh, then another shot that's uh, got him down even further. So we want to lift him up. And uh, Lord, we pray for all of these people that your hand would be with them and help them through their difficulties. And uh, Lord, uh, we got a class coming up in just a minute. And we would pray that it would be handled properly and that uh, you would be glorified through uh, our teaching, that it would be proper. And if it's not, please alert us to that. Uh, Lord, we uh, thank you that Steve is back and safe here in Florida, and we are glad that he's thinking about never leaving again. Uh, and Lord, uh, we uh, pray for a safe 
trip for uh, Sergio and Rhoda as they go to Israel and as they uh, uh, tend to the people there with the, the needs they're filling over the next uh, the course of the next uh, weeks and maybe month. Uh, and we just pray for safety for them and for all of the people that uh, are uh, soon to go into battle in Israel. Lord, thank you. Thank you that we can pray these things and we know that you're here, you're here because of Jesus, our mediator. And we uh, ask these things in his name. Amen. Okay, so uh, Sergio's got to go. Come on over. Wait, you got to say goodbye to the folks, too. So just uh, make sure you're in the little box here. And uh, there he's sitting. All right. Come, I, oh, I'm going to see you. Yeah, I'll see you tomorrow. Okay, you get out of here, and uh, we'll see you uh, We'll see you soon enough. Uh-oh, he, he's got some hugs to get on the way out, so we'll wait for this. All right. If you see Mom coming in, you can just... Yeah, take care of that. Yeah, gosh. Okay, see you later. Uh, all right, with uh, that done, I'll read you a couple things from uh, Nazir in Pakistan. Um, we have a prayer request from one of the new believer ladies who is in the hospital having severe abdominal pain. The doctor has found appendicitis and she needs surgery. We found that she is a faithful lady and requests for help. She is not able to afford the medical treatment, which is two hundred and thirty-eight dollars for surgery and medicine. Imagine that. Here it would be like twenty thousand dollars. Seven thousand. Or yeah, some. Huge, well, that's right. You just went through that, so and you know the pain she's in right now. Um, her husband passed away three years ago. She's working washing dishes and cleaning. Um, so if anybody wants to help with two hundred thirty-eight dollars for her. Uh, we spent some time praying with her. She believe in, believes in God's help to her needs. Uh, her name is Lila. Uh, she needs prayer and help. And I have a photo of her. If you want to help her, I'll send you her photo so you can see her in the hospital. Um, and then uh, he continues. He says, um, we give praise and honor and God to all his help that we are doing well. And he is using us for his glory. Many people are come to know him personally and they are saved forever. He got it right. Okay. We are very amazed how God is doing his work successfully. Thank you for your great support and efforts. We have set to do the Jesus film on 17 November, which is uh, it's, uh, about 20 days away, and believe that God will show his grace during this meeting. Uh, please pray with us as you do, which is always very appreciated, and God is working. We would give out 10 MP3s at $130, eight Bibles at $72, Children's meeting is $28. Bible study is $30. The Jesus film is $30. Uh, the Briani is $135. And the travel, apparently it's a distance, $100. And so the total would, they need would be $525. So Pakistan needs this month about $800. A little less than that, but about $800. So if anybody wants to help with that, uh, even if it's just $5 or if it's the whole thing, whatever, let me know and uh, we can get that to him. So those are two financial needs, three financial needs. And um, let's see here, uh, uh, I have one more thing that I was gonna pass on. Uh, we got that, I made some notes, Epaphras, Tom, um, uh, I guess maybe not. I thought I had two, oh yes I do, I've gotta read this. I knew there was something, cover it up, you're not gonna see it, Charlie, today is the 29th. No it's not, today is the 26th. Um, this is a charming man, Thomas More was hard to dislike. I'm entirely devoted to this man, wrote Italian scholar Niccolo Sagundino. I often relax in his delightful company, as one might lodge in some beautiful place. I never see him without his sending me away better informed and more attached to him. 
You could not imagine, I assure you, a more agreeable, charming, and amusing man. His wonderful elegance as a writer, his choice of words, and well-rounded sentences are universally admired, but no more so than his keen mind, set off by fairness, humor, wit, and courtesy. Dean Swift thought more uh, the greatest man of virtue this kingdom ever produced. Erasmus agreed. He described more as cheerful, having quick humor and ready smile, and being a faithful husband, a persuasive orator, a man alert. In short, said Erasmus, what did nature ever create milder, sweeter, and happier than the genius of Thomas More? These merits propelled More to the highest office in England on October 26, 1529, when he was named Lord Chancellor under King Henry VIII. But it proved his undoing, for More was a deeply religious man. He gave liberally to the needy, sang in the choir of his parish church in Chelsea, led in family prayer each night, and built a small chapel by his house for personal prayer and Bible study. Here he occasionally engaged in self-flagellation with a whip of knotted cords in the medieval manner. He was devoted to his church. He forcibly opposed Protestants. He was a man of principle. Henry VIII didn't like men of principle, and he was incensed when his Lord Chancellor refused to obtain from the Pope the desired divorce from Catherine of Aragon. He was further enraged when Moore refused to recognize him as the head of the Church of England. Henry imprisoned him in the Tower of London and tried him for treason. On July 7, 1535, Thomas Moore mounted the scaffold and told the hushed crowd that he died being the king's good servant, but God's first. Then he read Psalm 51 and laid his head carefully on the block. Uh, I have sinned and done wrong since the day I was born, but you want complete honesty, so teach me true wisdom. Wash me with hyssop until I am clean and whiter than snow. That's Psalm 51, 5 through 7. Okay, so Thomas More was no more. Let's see here. Yeah, that was Well... I'm trying here. Uh, okay, let's see here. We are in 2 Thessalonians, and I've been waiting. I've been stalling us through these um, uh, these uh, verses so that it would come out that uh, our Indiana brothers would be here on 2 Thessalonians verse two, chapter 2, verse 8, and one of them showed up for it, so the other one apparently just doesn't care enough. Oh, boy. <laughs> no, I miss Rick. He's a fun guy, and he should be here, I think, next month, okay. right? He said November. Okay, we'll be waiting for him. Uh, let's see here. We're in uh, 2 Thessalonians 2, chapter 2, verse 8, and you can start uh, uh, wherever it makes yeah, you happy. Yeah, I'm just going back to 5. Okay. So start the paragraph in uh, 5. Don't you remember that when I was with you, I used to tell you these things, 6, and now you know that is holding him back so that he may be revealed at the proper time, 7. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work, but the one who now holds it back will continue to do so until he is taken out of the way. 8. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy the splendor of his coming. Okay, so um, this I said that this would be the final part of the sequence. Now, there are other things obviously involved, but the sequence of events, this is the final part. And as you noticed, I have two presuppositions that must be made uh, for what we're gonna present to not be the correct view, okay? 
Uh, they're hiding. They're they're currently hiding. But um, we will uh, we will get to them in just a minute. First, we have to read the analysis of the verse. Uh, read again the first two words of the verse. Okay. And now. Okay. Well, uh, the word is ketote, and then, in Greek is ketote, and then. Let me read this version because I didn't. Um, it says here um, two eight. Uh, let's see here. And then, Ketote, the lawless one, will be revealed. So yours says, and now? And now you know. Oh, oh I'm sorry. I'm in the wrong thing. Well, and that then, was, and then. I uh, knew it said, and then. I'm and like, then. what? Okay. <laughs> and then. So yours got it right, too. Can you believe it? Keep going. Read and the then, the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. Okay, the only difference here is we'll consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. So, very close, but they got the, the ketote right. Okay, so, and then is correctly translated. So, here we have a clear sequence of events. Okay, the restrainer, meaning the Holy Spirit, and thus the body of believers whom the Holy Spirit is sealed will be taken out of the way. Now, that's a presupposition. We talked about that last week. Could it be the church? Could it be an angel? Could it be this or that? Okay, this has been going on for 2,000 years. There's a spirit of lawlessness that has been go ongoing in the world for those 2,000 years, and something has been restraining it. Um, I, it's a presupposition, but it is a logical presupposition that it is the Holy Spirit. Okay, as I said last week, some versions don't capitalize he. Some of them don't even use the word he. They say the one. But uh, it's masculine. Uh, it was neuter in the previous verses. It's masculine there. There's a reason why he did that. It's a masculine noun, and it is an entity that has been restraining for 2,000 years. Suffice it to say that even though it's a presupposition, because it does not say it explicitly, it is the Holy Spirit. Okay? Uh, if people disagree with that, that's fine, because there's no proof one way or another. But that is my analysis of that. And then, so you have the restrainers taken out of the way, and then the lawless one will be revealed, which will be in conjunction with, three, the tribulation period, the day of Christ. Okay, um, i read the rest of the comments later. I will now show, I don't know if the people online can see this, so you kind of, uh, if they, let's see where it's at. It's, it's all there. Okay, so here we go. We have the day of Christ. I'm just going to go through the last verses, and that way you can see the sequence as it's laid out. The day of Christ, it says here um, uh, in verse 2, now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering to him. That's the rapture, which I did not write down, but uh, let me put it right here just so we have it on the side. The rapture is here. This is the event that Paul is referring to about our gathering. This event is not what everything else is based on. This is simply he's saying, about this event, okay, now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be troubled. He introduced this first because uh, this is something that is a comfort to us, okay? He's going to then give the sequence of events to get back to the fact that we don't need to worry about these events, okay? So, uh, the rapture is not what he's focused on as far as the timeline. It's just a note about something that is going to happen to us. All right, not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word uh, or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ. So this is what he is talking about. This is the main theme. The
the day of Christ, okay, had come, as if the day of Christ had come. And then he says here, um, let no one deceive you by any means for that day, this day, the day of Christ, that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed. We talked about those in previous verses. I'm not going to go through them again, but this day will not come until this event happens or these two events, the falling away and the man of sin is revealed. Now, I did say this before and I'll just remind people, the word falling away here is apostasia. And some people have tried to shove the rapture into that word, okay? Just to prove this sequence. That is unnecessary. And it is not proper handling of that word. Uh, the word, it's not speaking of the rapture, okay? I know that people want to do that because they want to defend a pre-tribulation rapture, but that's not a responsible way of doing it. The word is talking about a falling away from doctrine. It's not speaking of that. If you want to teach that, you're just teaching incorrectly, okay? That's fine, but I understand why people do that. They want to justify their view, and that would make it impossible to reconcile otherwise. There would be no other way to explain this, and so they do that. But that that's not a correct handling of the word apostasia. But the day of Christ will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed. Everybody see that in the timeline. That's very clear. Paul says it, and there's no way to get around that. So he continues on and he says, he explains who the man of sin is, the son of perdition who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshiped. And we know that that's the Antichrist, okay? So that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. This man will eventually claim that he is God. Okay, hint, one of the presuppositions is about that right there. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining. Okay, now he's talking about the restrainer. That he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. This is 2,000 years ago. It was already at work. Okay, only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Presupposition, Holy Spirit, capital H in this Bible. Okay, but it's a logical presupposition. Nothing else that I have read ever matches anything that would make sense other than the Holy Spirit. But that's a presupposition. Okay, and then the lawless one will be revealed. Okay, so this one here, restrainer is taken out of the way. Ketote, it refers back to this guy. This is not going to happen until this guy comes. That's not going to happen until the restrainer is taken out of the way. See that? This happens, this happens, this will not happen until this happens. Ketote, then this happens. Everybody see that? This is what it's focused on. This will not happen until, uh, that will not happen until this happens. This will not happen until this happens, and then that will happen. Everything is after that. See that? The Antichrist is going to be revealed before this day. The restrainer will take us out before this day. Do you see that? Okay, I want to make sure because I got a couple blank looks on the faces. This is what's being focused on. This is the comfort part for us. This is what's being focused on. The day of Christ will not come until the falling away and the man of sin is uh, taken out of the way, uh, is revealed. I'm sorry. Okay, so we've got the day of Christ. This is not going to happen. And that won't happen until after he is taken out of the way. Ketote. And then the man of lawlessness. So all of this is before the day of Christ. See that? All of this occurs before the day of Christ. 
That is what he is telling us. Then it says here, um, uh, he'll be consumed with the breath of his mouth and destroy uh, with the brightness of his coming. Then he explains the working of the Antichrist. That's coming up. Okay, so the rapture happens before the day of Christ. This comes after the rapture. That day will not come until that happens, and that won't happen until that happens. So it's just he's making a logical circle for us to understand. This is the thing that precedes all of the events is the rapture. Okay, so if you see that the rapture is not going to happen, uh, the day of Christ is not going to happen until after the rapture. That won't happen until the falling away and the man of sin is revealed, and that won't happen until the restrainer is taken out of the way. So obviously he is connecting these two points. Which logically makes it... That makes it right there. That's what he's doing. Okay, the important thing to remember is that the restrainer will be taken out, ketote, man of sin is revealed, and then the day of Christ will come. Now, there are two presuppositions in this view, okay? The first, anybody know what those two presuppositions are? Well, you just said one of them, which was the rapture. Okay, the well, Spirit. no, no, no. Well, that that's a separate. That's a logical one, but that that's not, uh, I'm talking about timing. Not the person, but the timing. Okay, I will take this off and show you. The two presuppositions are that the AC will be revealed at the midpoint of the tribulation. That is, if you believe that this is speaking of a pre-trib or a uh, pre-wrath rapture, which is right around pre-trib, okay, somewhere in that area, that means that the Antichrist is going to be revealed at the midpoint. In other words, the Antichrist is not happening specifically go back even more. This will explain the next one. The second presupposition is that the day of Christ is three and a half years. You see that? I'm saying that the day of Christ, the day of the Lord, is the tribulation period, seven years. Everybody got that? That's the standard view of this event, is that the day of the Lord, or the day of Christ, is seven years. You must presuppose that the day of the Lord that Paul is referring to here is three and a half years. In other words, he is not revealed when he signs the covenant. He is revealed when he sits in the temple of God showing himself to be God. Everybody got that? That would have to be presupposed. This cannot be changed. These, this is black and white. It cannot be changed. The day of Christ will not happen uh, until the falling away and the man of sin is revealed. But if you are pre-wrath or mid-trib, one of those two views, you must presuppose that this is not speaking of seven-year period. It's speaking of a three-and-a-half-year period. It's not speaking of, once again, we'll go to Daniel 9 and you'll see this. And I would, this is my thinking, this is my logically going through these events. Because these events, these events right here cannot change in sequence. We've just gone through it. It cannot change. These will not. But if you want to say that this is not the case, because what are they doing? They're taking Matthew 20, yes, Matthew 24, and they're saying that the events of, of Revelation match what Jesus said. Jesus is speaking to the Jews under the law. He's not speaking to the church. He's speaking to Israel about what is going to happen to them. They have to ignore that and say that it applies to everybody. But if this is still true based on a mid-trib rapture, 
then these two points must be given. And I cannot agree with either of them. Here's why. Daniel 9, 70 weeks are determined for your people. Okay, 70 weeks. We've already gone through this. You've got 69 weeks completed. There are seven, uh, seven years left, one week left. Okay, that's Daniel 9, 24 through 27. There is one week of the uh, chronology given to Israel left. That is future, and it is going to happen. The people in the land right now are the same group of people that were exiled 2,000 years ago. Okay, now you could say, well, they're not. They don't belong there, and the Jews are not the, the same people, and they'll never be a covenant people again. You want to get rid of that? Then you can believe in amillennialism and all that other nonsense, okay? But if you believe that the people in Israel today are the Jewish people that are returned for God's sovereign purposes, then one of these two views must be correct, okay? The, uh, it says here, after the 62 weeks, that means after the uh, first uh, 408, uh, what is it, uh, 70 is uh, 430, 400 and uh, uh, 7 times 7 is uh, 49. 49, so uh, 400, I, anyway, there's one week left. I, I got myself confused and I don't want to get math in the way of this. After the 62 weeks, there's still one week left, seven years, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself, okay? That's saying, there's a, a, a time when this chronology, these 70 weeks will suddenly stop, okay? And after that time, after the 69 weeks, the first 69 seven periods, Messiah will be cut off. That is explicit, okay? I don't know how people can see it otherwise, but some people say that, that uh, uh, you know, it's, it's a different scenario, but it's absolutely clear you have to manipulate the text to come to some other view. Jesus came, even the old Jewish scholars, somebody reminded me of this years ago. Uh, I knew this and I just forgot because I don't like talking about what the Jews think because they're always wrong. But some of them actually wrote down that the Messiah is going to come at this time. And uh, we know this because of Daniel. And they never used that anymore, but it was written back then. They knew that that was going to happen, that the temple would be destroyed and they would be exiled. But for right now, we'll just go with the 69 weeks, one week left, okay? So you've got one week left after the Messiah is cut off. Now that means there's a gap. It could be seven days, the Messiah is cut off, and then the final seven years. It could be 40 years, okay, at the destruction of the temple. It could be 2,000 years. It doesn't matter how you look at Daniel 9, there will always be a gap between the 69 and the 1, okay? Dispensationalists are adamant because it's the correct view that those 69 years are Israel under the law. They did not receive their Messiah after that 69th week, okay? And because of that, they were given another 40 years up until the time of AD 70. They did not receive Jesus. They were exiled. They are now back in the land to be brought into the new covenant. That is the purpose of God preserving Israel because his covenant promises to Israel must stand. He will never abandon Israel. We talked about that from Amos 9.15 and uh, read some scholars a couple weeks ago, Clark and Gill, that hundreds of years ago knew this when everybody else was saying, no, that's out. Okay, so they are back in the land right now. They have seven more years. That is going to happen at this time, Daniel 27. I'm sorry, 927. Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. Like I said, some people say that's the Messiah 
and that he's going to cut a seven-year deal with Israel. That never happened and it never will happen. That is not speaking of him. But if you want to abuse the text and prove that Israel is out and that uh, the church is running things or whatever crazy view you have, you will hold to that. But it is not speaking of the Messiah. It is speaking of the Antichrist. We know that from Daniel 26 because it says Messiah will be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city. That is the nearest antecedent to what is said in Daniel 9.27. Then he, speaking of the nearest antecedent, is the prince who is to come. Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. How, how long is one week? Seven years. He shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. So the standard dispensational idea is that the seven years are initiated with the signing of the peace treaty, and that is the, called what? Begins with trib and ends with ulation, okay? That's the tribulation period, okay? Those seven years, that's standard dispensational theology. He will come, he will sign the peace treaty, meaning that anybody that is here will what? Not be here. Well, if, if they are here and they know the Bible, what will they know about it? That he is the Antichrist because he fills it up. Now, the church isn't going to be here when he signs that. doesn't matter which one you believe, whether you believe three and a half years or seven years. It doesn't make any difference. We will not be here according to this time frame, okay? But if you believe that the tribulation period is three and a half years, then that means that he has to be revealed at the midpoint. And therefore, you, your doctrine will say it's not when he signs the peace treaty, it is when he sits in the temple of God claiming to be God. Everybody see that? Because this cannot be changed. This is black and white, and it is written. It, it cannot be changed. This will happen after this happens. This will happen after this happens, and this will happen first. Okay? So, if you are a mid-tribber, you have to presuppose that the Antichrist is revealed at the midpoint of the tribulation, meaning the tribulation period is only three and a half years. Everybody got that? I'm not espousing that. I'm saying that's what you would have to presuppose if this was not speaking of a seven-year tribulation. Just to be clear, the man of sin and the Antichrist. Same person. Two different names for the same person. That's right. Two different names for the same person. And that is what it is speaking of right here. Then he. But Daniel doesn't say he's the Antichrist. He just says that somebody is going to cut a covenant for seven years. One period of seven years is left for Israel under the law. And the only thing that you can deduce from that is that if they are under the law, as agreed by an external entity, then that must be speaking of something. What? The building of a temple. So they can have the law. Everybody see that? And plus, Paul says that he's going to sit in the temple of God claiming to be God. So there is a temple. It's not a metaphorical temple. It's not an uh, allegorical temple. It is a literal temple. There is no temple there now. Something will cause the world to say, we agree to building a temple where Israel can now practice its rights. Everybody see that part? That, that is absolutely concrete in Scripture unless you just don't believe Scripture. Unless you believe the Jews are out, that the temple is not an actual temple, whatever thing you believe. But if you believe that, that he is saying that there will be a covenant made for one week, and in the middle of the covenant, he will cut off sacrifice and offering, meaning that that happens when he says he is 
God. And so the sacrifice and offering to Jehovah end because he's God. Okay. That, so if you believe that it's a pre-wrath or mid-trib rapture, you must agree to those two points, neither of which I agree to. I believe that the, the tribulation period is seven years and that the uh, Antichrist is revealed not at the time he sits in the temple of God, but at the time that he signs the agreement because the agreement is how you know who he is. Right. Okay? Right. Also, temple is not going to just appear in a day or no two. that's right like, you know, so they would have to be in the beginning they'd have to have an agreement they'd right. have to they are going to re-establish now it can be and i've said this before they can start law worship today without a temple right. they can start the sacrificial rites on the temple today we have a precedent right in the book of ezra they went in with they built an altar and they started sacrificing no temple temple was built later okay that is possible but that has to be agreed to. They would never, every year people go up on the temple and try to sacrifice a lamb and they always get kicked off and it causes a huge stir. You read about it every year, some stupid guy goes up there and tries that. And it's not ordained by the nation anyway. It's just some lunatic that's trying to bring God back or something, you know. But they will have an agreement that allows them to conduct Levitical worship on the Temple Mount. Something will precipitate that. I don't know what it is. Gog Magog might be the, the Gaza war turns into a Hezbollah war and Iran comes in and all of a sudden, you know, I don't know what's going to precipitate it. It's not explicit in scripture. I believe it's probably Gog Magog, but whatever it is, whatever it is, okay, these must be granted 100% if you believe in a pre-trib rapture or a pre-wrath rapture because this sequence of events cannot change. If you lay it out and you see how it is right here, this is what I wanted people to see. We'll go through it one more time, so hopefully you'll get it. Paul gives them the comfort of the rapture. He says that the problem was people were saying the day of Christ has come. And he says, no, that day, the day of Christ will not come until, and he says, the falling away in the man of sin is revealed. And that won't happen until the restrainer is taken out of the way, which is, if it is the Holy Spirit, the rapture, because the church is taken. If God takes his Holy Spirit and not his people, then it was never a very good deal for us anyway. That is not going to happen. This and this must happen after this. This will happen prior to this. And this happens before this. It's right there. There's no way to get around these verses. So if you believe in anything other than a seven-year tribulation, you can, and I have to say this because what I'm saying is a presupposition just as theirs is. My presupposition is that those seven years in their entirety are the tribulation period, not three and a half years. And there's no division that's given other than that. And the other presupposition is that the AC will be revealed after the three and a half year point because the rapture happens at that point or pre-wrath or whatever they want to say. So this is my presupposition is the opposite of this. And just I'm just being fair to the mid-trib people. Sure. If you believe those two things, then you can grant yourself this happy party over here. If you do not, if you believe that the seven years is all the tribulation period, then you cannot grant that. It must be 
the way it is. Rapture before. It's supportable. Well, I understand that. But to me, it's not supportable. To you, it's not supportable. But when you have a presupposition in your head, you can't get people to change your mind. You're just going to dig deeper and deeper and deeper, and you're going to be dogmatic that you are right and you're wrong, Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden, this doesn't matter to them. Right, it doesn't. But you know what? All that is fixed if you read your Bible. Well, that's right. (laughs) That's right. If you just read your Bible and you understand what God is doing, especially Daniel 9. You can't get away from Daniel 9, which sets the pattern for this. So it could be, once again, I'm going to read Daniel 9, 27 in its fullness again. It could be seven years. It could be three and a half years. Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. Seven years. He shall confirm a covenant. But in the middle of the week, here it is, he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. They will use that second half or that second clause of this verse and say that justifies pre-wrath or mid-trip. The second. Not the signing, but the Antichrist sitting in. And I have to grant that to him. I have to because that's what they want to believe. I do not believe that's correct. I believe that the the uh, tribulation period is, encompasses seven years. And that's borne out because it specifically says in Revelation in one place, 42 months, and in another, it says 1,260 days. There's two halves to the tribulation period. 1,260 days is what? Three and a half years. 42 months is? Three and a half years. You now have Daniel 9, seven years. And I believe that that is the entire tribulation period. If that is true, then this must be a pre-tribulation rapture. This here can still be a pre, I'm sorry, a mid-trib rapture if you have these two presuppositions, which I cannot agree to. So I'm just trying to be fair to the mid-trib people. But if they don't believe this, if they say no, it's a seven-year tribulation period, then they are just wrong. They're arguing something that is indefensible because this timeline here cannot be changed. It's black and white. Okay, so now that we have that, and I won't go through that again because you've got it. It's right there. Take a picture of it if you want. Take it home. Do your own diagram because I know my diagrams are just crazy. But, um, uh, you know, if you can do it better on a, a, people do spreadsheets and all that kind of stuff. There are all kinds of things you can do to make it look a lot more understandable. Use colors and, you know, little wavy lines and stuff. I didn't do that. uh, That's not my style. But you can do that if you want, okay? You've got the the layout, and as long as you know this, 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 and then that happens before, that's it, okay? You decide. So So surprised. Absolutely. They're going to be so surprised. Oh, my goodness. Because it is. I am absolutely certain that the tribulation period is seven years. Okay. Now, if somebody wants to argue this, what they need to do is show me why it's not seven years. That's what they need to argue. If they are going to say, yes, the tribulation is seven years, but no. If it is, then it's a pre-trib rapture. That's all there is to it. Okay. So, um... Uh, the timeline is set. There is no reason at all to debate who the Antichrist is, and there's no need to wonder if Christians will have to endure some, meaning mid-trib, or all, meaning post-trib, of the tribulation period. We won't have to, because this is our comfort prior to this, and this won't happen until this, and this won't happen until this, and that only happens after this, okay? So, if you can get that in your head, then you will have it down, as long as you believe in a seven-year tribulation. Okay, so 
uh, we don't need to argue those things. And that's why I say people that want to argue these things are just arguing wind. That's all they're doing. Unless they can prove that the tribulation period is three and a half years. Okay. Now, you could go back and you could say, well, Elijah, the, the uh, rain was withheld for three and a half years, and that doesn't prove anything. Right. It's just that it was it's three a and a half years. Right. Yeah, and that's not right. Where is that recorded, three and a half years, Elijah uh, withheld the rain? Where is that actually recorded? Where does this? <laughs> Probably in Kings. No, no, no. It doesn't give a timeline in the Old Testament. Jesus said it and James says it. Hmm. Okay? Doesn't give a timeline in the Old wow. Testament. Yeah, here, let me take you to uh, uh, James. What did he say? Elijah was just a man with a nature like ours. Uh, what did he say? And hang on, I don't want to misquote. Right. Yeah, that would not. And I don't know if he gives the three and a half years. Jesus explicitly does. Um, James says, oops, hang on one sec. We'll just go there. If anybody has a computer and wants to find uh, three and a half years, uh, we can. I can tell you where Jesus says that. Okay, I don't have my, I'm not going to get out my iPad to find that for you right now, but just type in three and a half years. Spell it out if you're using yep, the New yep. King James Version. And uh, James says, um, uh, let me see if I can find where it says, um, Elijah was uh, a man. Uh, I want to see. 517. 517, thank you. Um, and if anybody finds it in um, uh, Mar Mark, let me know. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. Okay, he says it explicitly. There's no timeline given in the Old Testament. So this is something that they were speaking out a certain thing that they knew from their history that this had occurred, but the timeline isn't given. So if anybody has a computer and you can find somewhere in Mark uh, where Jesus says that, um, he gives explicitly also three and a half years. And it may be that James didn't even know it and he just took what Jesus said as the gospel because I don't know which is true. I mean, I have no idea where James got his information, but the Old Testament doesn't give that. So I should have saved that then I should have asked it on Sunday. It would have been a great question. Where is it recorded? Everybody saying Kings, Kings, because I think it's 1 Kings 18 is the story of Elijah, right? Um, in that area. But um, not just 18, it's, there's more of him. But anyway, if you find three and a half years in your, uh, 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 what do you call it, search bar, just let me know and I'll tell people where it is. If not, uh, they can find it themselves. Anyway, because um, I don't have that. Elijah 18. First Kings 18. Okay, well that one, it doesn't tell us the timeline. I'm talking about Mark, where Jesus says it in Mark. I need that one. Because the, the it does not give the uh, the sequence in the Old Testament. Was Yeah, anyway, um, let's see. We'll go on while you're looking if anybody finds it. In using the words of the Gospels to form a prophetic timeline for the church, one mixes dispensations. I've said that at least five billion times since we started this study. If you use Matthew 24 or any other information from the Gospels in this timeline, you're going to have an erroneous timeline. You're going to have a convoluted theology that is incorrect. And I know, you know, I, you all know there's somebody up in Ohio that I, he's a good friend of mine, and uh, I uh, don't want to malign him, but he's wrong. He is taking words from Matthew 24 and he's shoving it into something that only belongs to Paul. Only belongs to Paul. Paul introduced the rapture. He introduced it like 35, 40 years after Jesus' ministry. He revealed it. 
he gives the timeline, he gives the sequence of events that will occur, he gives every single thing that we need for doctrine for the rapture. Jesus did not. That was not his focus because he was sent to the house of Israel for his ministry, okay? When he spoke those things out, he was speaking to Israel about their pro prophetic future, okay? Don't mix dispensations because if you do, you're going to have the same convoluted theology. This is correct. This can't change because it's in black and white. This will be incorrect if you insert the wrong presuppositions. If I'm wrong, then they are right. If they're, uh, if they're wrong, then I'm right. Okay, I, yeah, I almost got that two rights for them and two wrongs for me, and I didn't want to do that. So, everybody got that? Don't mix in the Gospels, okay? Every word of Scripture is inspired. Every word of Scripture can be used for doctrine, for reproof, for training the man of God in righteousness, but they don't all pertain to the people in the same manner. And that's what we need to understand is Jesus doesn't speak to the church. He speaks to Israel in the Synoptic Gospels, okay? So, um, it is only after the removal of the restrainer right here that the lawless one will be revealed. Ke tote. And then the man of sin will be revealed, okay? It is this Satan-filled person whom the Lord will consume, this is Paul's words, with the breath of his mouth. This is alluded to by John in the book of Revelation. 19. Yes, 19 verse. Go ahead. Can you get it? Verse 1, I think. No, 19.15. He comes back in 19.10 and 11. So, uh, 19, oh, I'm in 10.9, not 19. 15. See? Okay, yes, 10.15, 19.15 is correct. And it says there, um, uh, 15, where is it? Um, now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself uh, treads the winepress of the fierceness uh, and wrath of God Almighty, okay? And then you go down, and it says here at the very end, where was it? Uh, there's judgment, and he chucks them into the abyss. Where is that? Um, uh, uh, priest said, I'm delivered no more, 21. Um, oh, where is it? Come on. Oh, I'm sorry, 20. Uh, there it is. Then the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who worked signs in his presence, by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were cast alive into the lake of uh, fire, burning with brimstone. So that's the end of the Antichrist in Revelation 19.20. What? Is it Mark 9 where he's talking where Elijah appears at the thing? That no, 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 no. He, he's using him in, a, he's saying, yeah. he was using basically what James did. He Just look for the words. If you have your computer, oh, search for three... Okay, it might be Luke too. Yeah. Oh, that's fine. Wherever it is, wherever you find it, all you have to do is look for three. Luke four twenty five. Does he give the three and a half years? There you go. That's it, Luke. Okay. Um, and it may just be Luke. I've just said Mark, you know, off the top of my head, which I shouldn't have done. But uh, Luke four, and you said twenty. Twenty-five. Five. Okay, Luke four twenty-five. He says, um, yeah. But I tell you, truly, many widows were in Israel at the in the days of Elijah when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a great famine throughout all the land. Okay, I said Mark, and I'm sorry. All I needed was the three and a half years. Jesus is the one that says that the Old Testament does not, but Jesus is 
God, and so if he said it, it's true. James went along with it, and like I said, it may be something that was written down because the Jews didn't contest him on it. It may have been a tradition. It may be, uh, a, you know, an oral thing or a written thing. I have no idea. But um, Jesus said it first, the exact timeline. And people could say, well, that proves a three-and-a-half-year tribulation, right? It doesn't. Elijah, that doesn't prove anything. It just means that Israel didn't have rain for three-and-a-half years. Okay, and it could be that he's speaking about the, uh, the ex exceeding nature of the last three and a half years, how bad it's going to be as opposed to the first three and a half years. I don't know, but you have to presuppose those two things to believe in a mid-trib or a uh, pre-wrath rapture. Okay, I do not presuppose those. I presuppose Daniel 9 is speaking of the Antichrist being revealed at the signing of the peace treaty. Okay, I could be wrong. I, you know, I, I, this is what I teach, that Daniel 9 says that the covenant will be made with this person, and if he makes the covenant, then he has revealed himself. Because there are a lot of treaties that have been made with Israel, and more are proposed all the time. We want to give five years of this. Okay, we've seen in the past 15 years, we've probably seen eight or nine things that have been proposed. We want to propose something for five years with Israel and Gaza, Right? How do we know that that's not the Antichrist allowing that to be signed? We're still here. Well, <laughs> besides that, because I'm presupposing a pre-trib rapture. That's, I would agree with that. But how do we know that those treaties are not the one that is being referred to in the Bible? But there may be another seven year. that We want seven years with Saudi Arabia. How do we know that that is not specifically it? Because this one will deal with the building of something, temple. the temple. Mm. When the temple is allowed to be built, according to Daniel 9, 27, then we know that the seven years has started. Okay? Or actually, I shouldn't even say the temple so much as the Levitical sacrifices. Because you don't have to have a temple in order to conduct the sacrifices. But he goes into the temple at the three and a half year point. He's it's, God. So you know that it had to be built. Well, that's, that's right. It's, that's like, a, you know, it's, it's just construction I, alone. I understand that. But that. if you're going to argue that that is the point, no, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, then you could do that. But they if oh, I know. All they have to do is put it together. But the point is that you will know who he is because a temple and Levitical sacrifices are allowed. Okay, I would argue that it would be stupid to say that he's revealed when you already know who he is. I'm talking about people that know the Bible but didn't believe the Bible and missed the rapture. They're going to know exactly who the guy is because it says this. Okay, so... I understand your passion for this because I have the exact same passion. I'm just trying to grant them, and I'm giving them that they must concede that these two presuppositions if their view is right. That's all I'm saying, okay? I'm 100% pre-trib, 100%, but I have to grant that. And if they accept that, then they could be right. I don't accept that, okay? That's all I'm saying. Isaiah 11.4, which Paul is actually loosely citing is another reference to this. Isaiah 11 is such a nice chapter. What a beautiful chapter. But Isaiah 11, verse 4 is, uh, let's see here. Well, that's, that's, that's not the verse, but yes, that's a great verse as well. I listened to that pulling up today, that exact, uh, those exact words, but um, I can't get this page to open. Isaiah 11, 4, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor, 
and to side with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. So Paul is loosely citing that when he's speaking about the Antichrist, how he will slay him with the breath of his mouth, okay? Paul, with the words, uh, and destroy with the brightness of his coming, that's Paul's words as well, uh, that's the reference there. The supposed power and majesty of the Antichrist will pale in comparison to the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen. Absolutely. Absolutely pale in it. Okay. After defeating the armies gathered together to make war against him, it then says in Revelation 19.20, which I just read to you, that he and the uh, uh, false prophet will be taken together alive and cast into the lake of uh, lake of fire, uh, lake burning with fire. How did it read? Anyway, um, the lake of fire. So that's explicit in Revelation 19.20. Okay. Bad times lay ahead for this worker of iniquity. Instead of ruling the world, he should have been reading his Bible. <laughs> Jesus said as much to us in Matthew 16, verse 26. Okay. Whoops, I'm still in Isaiah, so we've got to go forward on that one. Um, Matthew... I'm so sorry I said Luke. That got you all confused, and I apologize about that. No, I just you said uh, Mark. I, or Mark, whatever I said. I said it wrong. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? It doesn't matter what riches this guy had, what authority he had. It doesn't matter how much power he had. It wasn't worth it. Okay? There he asks the obvious question. For what profit is it? The answer is None. Absolutely none. This vile person will have gained the world, and yet his soul will be eternally condemned. Not a very bright choice in the end. Okay? That's the way it is. And uh, uh, So, anyway, just so you know, you have to decide which view you had. And I was thinking, I was sitting back there today thinking about the, you know, presenting this, and I thought I would be unfair for me to not include this for you. Sure. Because... If I don't, you know, then it, it's hiding something. Now, I didn't want to do that. But those are the two presuppositions that if you believe in a mid-trib rapture, and I'm talking a, about a properly handled mid-trib rapture. I'm talking about one that doesn't include Matthew 24. If you include Matthew 24, your analysis is illegal, according to dispensationalism. It is inappropriate, and you're wrong, okay? But if you say, okay, I'm not including Matthew 24. I'm just going by what Paul says, which is the proper way to handle this issue, then you must concede these two issues. If you don't do that, then you need to step over into the pre-trib camp and say, I was wrong. Okay? Just so you know. Well, As, and, and more to that point is the fact that if that's what they're doing and they're mis mixing dispensations, it's a good lesson for that too because you But they're not going to listen to you. Well, then they're not going to listen. Well, and that's <laughs> so that's the like point that. I'm making because my friend up in Ohio that teaches on a pre-wrath pre-trib rapture came back the next week after I gave this the last time and he said because somebody obviously emailed him and he came back and he said, "Well, it says he's speaking to blah, and he he started talking about Israel as if it was the church." He says, "Well, so, that and I so he's not going to change his mind." Right, but I'm just, don't <laughs> argue it. I'm just letting you know. That's, well, that's, he he that's believes fine, that you have to include Matthew 24. Why? Because he believes in a mid or a pre-wrath rapture. Right. And but so if, it's just, there you go. But if we've replaced the church, then there will be no rapture. He doesn't believe that we've replaced Israel. Well, he doesn't he, believe that. Okay. But he, that, 
No, 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 no. No, he's not. That's a completely different theology. A completely different theology. He is simply mixing dispensations. He's not saying that the church has replaced Israel. He believes that Israel of today has valid meaning. Okay? He does not believe in replacement theology. Okay? He believes in the church and that Jesus is referring to the church when he's speaking. That doesn't mean he thinks that it, we, because I don't want it, him, I don't want somebody to say, well, I said no, that. No, no, no. Well, okay. I'm saying yeah. that if, if you're saying that Jesus was talking to the church, which didn't even exist at that point in time. But Jesus speaks about the church elsewhere, doesn't he? Well, he does. Okay, so there you go. Don't argue something that is not to be argued. I'm not, he did okay. not believe, this man, my friend, does not believe that the him. church replaced Israel. He does not believe that. Okay, so I want everybody to say that so I don't get maligned in an email up there in Charlie. So Jim said it, okay, not that, Charlie. Yeah, okay, he's just wrong about his eschatology. Mm-hmm. Or he's wrong about this, okay, which is part of his eschatology. But mixing Matthew 24 into the mix will result in this. And as I said before, it doesn't matter if it's salvation, it doesn't matter if it's works, it doesn't matter if it's the timing of end times events. When you take what Jesus said in the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, when you take what he said, you will always have a contradiction in your theology. When you say that you are saved by grace through faith, and Jesus says, pray that you stand worthy, that you will stand worthy, okay, that's a contradiction. Because Jesus is not speaking to the church about church matters. He's speaking to the people under the law that are going to go through the tribulation period. Okay? It's not maybe. It is always there will be a contradiction because the law and grace do not mix. They do not. And so that's my point there, is that he is taking something from a, uh, a different dispensation, and he's saying, but he's speaking to the church. And he's not. Okay, that's my argument. He and I can disagree on that forever, and I will still love him. But, but, but I, what? Okay, well, my, my, my question is, is I don't remember the chapter and verse when Jesus was addressing the church in the, in the, the, the synoptic gospel. Well, there are times when he does. He's, but he's, he's, talking about, he's talking about what is coming, okay? Right. And so, but when he's talking about Matthew 24... And he's talking about end times events. He's right. not talking to the church about end times events. And I agree. Okay? Well, you've got to go through, like you go to the book of John, for example. John, he is speaking about the church in many right, but that's, instances. That's I understand that. That's why I always qualify that with the Synoptic Gospels. And I learned always. that from you. Always. <laughs> John is a different type of gospel written for a different purpose many years later about Christology, which points to everybody. Everybody falls under what John is speaking about in one way or another. Whether you're a Christian or not, it is speaking about the eternal word of God coming and dwelling among men, what he did and what he is doing and what continues both in the church and in Israel of the future. It's a different uh, genre altogether. But the synoptic gospels are there to reveal Christ fulfilling the law. He's there to fulfill the law. He is there to end the law of Moses and then he died in fulfillment of the law of Moses, and from there he uh, rose again, and he gave the church its orders. Go out and do this thing. Follow this pattern, okay? But before that, he's speaking to Israel, 
And even if the church is kind of hinted at in his words in the Synoptic Gospels, that's not the doctrine of the Synoptic Gospels. Correct. It's his life under the law with the people of Israel. Okay? So be careful when you handle the three Synoptic Gospels how you look at what he is saying. Because we do not have to pray ever to be counted worthy to stand before the Son of Man. We are made worthy because of the blood of Jesus Christ. We are saved, okay? I don't feel worthy. There are many times that I wonder why the Lord would ever have saved me. But I know that I don't have to pray and ask to be worthy, okay? We went through this conversation with some friends a couple days ago that were visiting. We were down there for dinner. And uh, uh, they were talking about their whole family. Because of using the Synoptic Gospels and the doctrines of the Catholic Church or whatever, you know, various churches, some of his family are Pentecostal, and they all believe that they have to earn their salvation. Yes, I'm saved by grace. They all admit that, and then they say, but today I did something, and I may have lost my salvation, and I think, what a tragedy. What absolute bondage that these people are under. They're in absolute bondage because they, they think that they have to perform in order to go to heaven. They have to do something, and if they don't, then they will lose their salvation, which means, and I say it every week on Sunday, it means that it was never of grace, ever. If you have to continue to earn your salvation, then it was never of grace to begin with, okay? So I wish people could get that one concept, and they wouldn't have to go through all this. But let's finish up this. Uh, the what? They yeah, they get mercy, mercy, but they don't get grace, right. okay? So... Um, uh, let's see here. Life application, the words, and then, que tote, which open this verse, show us that the Antichrist will only be revealed after the rapture of the church. That is explicit in Paul's timeline. It will only be revealed. Let's not worry about who he is. All of the idle speculation in the world on this matter is simply wasted time. Instead, try something new and fun. Try going on out in your life and telling somebody about Jesus. The hour, where was it? Yeah, the hour spent watching a video about the Antichrist is an hour that may have made an eternal difference in someone's destiny. Instead of worrying about something that you have absolutely no control over on this planet and you're not going to know who it is, why worry about it? I, I, I get people that send me every single new Antichrist video that comes out. And every day there's like three of them. I, it, people love this subject and it, they dwell on it. I get sent that every single day, at least two or three of them. The Antichrist and, you know, the man of sin revealed and all this kind of stuff. And I think, what a waste of your time. You know, I teach this and these people do not watch these Bible studies. That is as evident as the nose on my face. Because if they did, they wouldn't be sending me that stupid nonsense. But they send it every day. And I say thank you, and then I delete the, the email because I'm not going to waste my time trying to figure out who he is. I can tell people about Jesus. I can write another Bible commentary. I can go visit Beth down at, you know, it was so nice to see her. You know what I she did? You know what she did when we were down there? We were down there, and she's not able to get up. I had to push her around the place in a wheelchair, and she's asking, How is Burke? She's asking, how is Burke? That's the kind of person that you got to admire. You've really got to wonder, 
Wasn't that wonderful? I mean, she's not concerned about herself at all. She had a good attitude. She's happy. And, you know, they may never be able to come back to this church again. That Jack said it at least three times when we went to the house to visit him. We've got to get back into the church. But, you know, he can't play tennis, which is something he absolutely loves to do. He's not able to. So what was he doing when we got there? He's watching a tennis match. I mean, you know. But I, I, I just hope that people will go and visit them. I will. Okay? Yeah. Maybe their house, I will. Their house is right down on Casey Key. If you've never been to it, it's beautiful. You would love to go. All you have to do, because Jack is not the type of person to say anything. But if you say, what did you do as a living? He'll take you all around his house and show you all the geologies found around the world. And it, 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 you'll just have a, a, a blessing. But... If you don't say anything, he's just going to sit there and not say anything to you, okay? I didn't stay because he was really interested in that tennis game, and I thought, you know, I'm not going to, you know, I wanted Hedeco to see the back. It's out over the bay. You can see in both directions for miles. It's beautiful. Anyway, I keep them in prayer, and please, if you are available, go visit them, especially Beth. Now, she, call her first, and the reason why is because she may be going up to Sarasota Memorial, where they have a really good center, where she's at is... Not really great, so I'm hoping that that will happen and she can get up to the the nice rehab center at Sarasota Memorial. But um, okay, uh, don't worry about the Antichrist. Don't spend your time watching videos there. Uh, you know, I don't mean to be belligerent. I just get very firm about what I believe because I've studied these things. Okay, and I don't believe this nonsense at all. I I do not believe it. I believe that Daniel nine is the key to all. And I said it every time I do a, a talk on Daniel nine. It is the key to all of the prophetic events coming in Israel's future, okay? That is certain. It is to your people and your city, your holy city. So it's certain about that. And when it says that there will be a seven-year treaty, one week, according to Daniel, and that person will be the one to make that treaty, to me, that means that he is revealed. That's, that's how I see it. They will have to contend with this and say, no, he's only revealed when he sits in the temple of God claiming to be God. I can't agree with that. If you know that, that if the temple sacrifices are allowed on the temple mount, that means that the Antichrist is revealed. That, that's what that means to me. Okay, I could be wrong, and I'm telling you that so that you know another view. All right. You're going to see that in Sunday sermon, by the way. Sunday sermon, we've got about five different views on two words from the Old Testament. And I gave all of them, didn't I? I gave every single one because I'm not going to hide anything. I want you to know, and the fact is that nobody knows what those two words mean. They know what the root of it means, but they don't know these two words. And you'll find out in two weeks, if we're still here, that it's really not important what those two words mean. And you're going to find that out. The Lord is not going to put something in his word that we cannot determine even if we don't know what the words mean. That is the beauty of the Word of God. Maybe I'm going to say that this week. Maybe it's next week. Anyway, whenever we get to that, I will explain that. And I want you to think about that, how marvelous God's Word is. That He's got words that we don't know what they mean, and yet we know what it is telling us. That tells me that this is the Word of God. It is such a wonderful treasure. Okay, we better get to work. We have two nine. Two nine. Uh, the coming of the lawless one will be in accord 
with the work of Satan displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs, and wonders. Okay, um, this is one thing that I went and I was studying this just to make sure. What you just read, and I'll read it in a second, is that all of the signs and wonders that the Antichrist does are after the midpoint of the tribulation. So, and I'm being fair. I'm giving you this information so you can decide what you want to believe. From Revelation 12 on, the signs and wonders come out by the Antichrist. And so you could argue, oh, it's mid-trib rapture or it's pre-wrath rapture, okay? I'm telling you that because I don't want to hide that from you. You know, it, you could use that argument. I will not use that argument, but I want you to know the various views. Here's what it says in the New King James Version. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. Okay, and the words lawless one are inserted there, but they're obvious, okay? Same as the day of Christ will not come, okay, that day will not come is inserted, but it is obvious in the Greek. It's only there for our clarity in the English. Okay, Paul now, um, Tom, you doing okay over there? All right, I, I just feel my heart goes out to you, brother. Uh, Paul now uses words uh, that are more than just descriptive talk about the Antichrist. Instead, they are given to contrast, uh, they are given as a contrast to the coming of Christ in his power, okay? The Greek word for coming is the same often given concerning the second coming of Christ, parousia. It is a word which indicates an arrival or an advent. Paul uses this word to contrast the two arrivals. The coming of Christ is according to the redemptive working of God. The coming of the Antichrist is according to the destructive working of Satan. One results in salvation for his people. One results in destruction for those who follow him. Okay, if the perusia of the Antichrist is because of his lying powers, or lying wonders and deceitful powers and all that, then you could argue this. But I wouldn't argue that because Jesus didn't perform his first miracle until when? When he was in Cana of Galilee, right? Was he the Messiah at the time? Absolutely. He had people following him at the time, okay? Just because the perusia uh, is describing this doesn't mean that you don't know who he is in advance, okay? He's sitting in the temple of God, he's claiming to be God, and all of these giving these signs and lying wonders doesn't mean that you can't know who he is. People knew that Jesus was the Messiah. One of them was named Mary, right? Another one of them was named uh, Simon or Simeon up at the temple. He knew that this was God's Messiah when he was born. So I would not use that as an argument for this. I would use the signing of the peace treaty and the Levitical sacrifices on the Temple Mount as the revelation of the Antichrist, okay? I'm being fair. That's all I'm doing. I want people to know that there is another view and you could make this argument. But I do not believe you can make this argument using any part of the Synoptic Gospels. You're not going to have proper theology. Okay, so I've said that. I wanted you to know that and now you know that. If you believe that the Perusia is based on his signs and wonders and the signs and wonders start in Revelation 12, then you make your argument. I disagree with that that stand. Okay, so um, uh, let's see here. It's according to destructive working of Satan. One results in salvation for his people. One results in destruction for those who follow him. Mark of the Beast, you're out, okay? It is 
a come which Paul, as noted, does more than merely describe, but rather purposefully contrasts to Christ. He will be revealed, Paul says, with all power, signs, and lying wonders. Scholars argue over the placement of the word lying. Does it only describe wonders, or does it describe all three aspects given? The most likely answer is that it describes all three. This is how, for example, the Coleman Bible translates it, translating the word as false instead of lying. They say the coming of the lawless one is based on Satan's working with all kinds of false miracles, signs, and wonders. Okay, the Greek will allow both, so I'm giving you both. All right, as Satan is the father of lies, which is recorded in John 8:44, so I can't use that as a question on Sunday, um, the working of Antichrist fits in perfectly with the one from whom his workings are derived. Each of these three descriptors has been used when speaking of Jesus, such as in Romans 15, 19, and elsewhere. And so applying them to the Antichrist as false workings gives us the needed contrast to see how much greater Jesus Christ is. Okay, that's what Paul is doing. And I said that was what? Romans uh, 15, did I say? Yeah, 15, 19. So let me take it there really quickly. And uh, the difference is the word false. Jesus are real, theirs are false. 15 and verse 19 says, in mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem around to Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Okay, and that was Christ accomplishing it through him. It wasn't Paul saying, I have this, is Christ working through him, just so you know. Okay, so um, what the Antichrist has and what he endows upon his people is false. It's contrary to Christ. Being God and possessing God's unlimited power, Christ Jesus displays that power perfectly. His signs are true, and they are a confirmation of his place within the Godhead. Speaking about the power and the majesty and the perfection of Christ, uh, do you all know what a murmuration is? Okay, I, you'll know after I explain it. I know most of you have seen it. She had never seen one. And last night, I was just watching a couple of them, and she came out, and I said, just sit down with me for a minute and watch us. Remember this? Uh, starlings. Starlings are birds that gather together and they fly and they it's called a murmuration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They make designs, they, they move so quickly and so harmoniously that it's almost like a single organism. It's the most beautiful thing. Type it in, murmuration. The word comes from the sound of their wings because there's so many of them that they're beating and it's like the, the whole world is murmuring, okay? And there are some of the most beautiful photographs or uh, events, uh, photography events that you've ever seen. It's marvelous to watch them. Uh, the, I watched one with her that was in Rome where they have a real problem with the starlings because that's the ideal place for them in the whole world. Then they come every year and they say that they poo, I think it was seven tons of poo every day in Rome. And cars are literally, can't see the car anymore. If you park under a tree where they decide to finally land, and so they, I, I won't get into the video, but um, the point that I'm making is that that is the wisdom of God. That is the wisdom of God showing us his glory in birds, just in birds. And there, you know, there are so many things that we see in creation. There's so many things that we see, uh, you know, in how the body heals. You know, somebody gets so sick, you think they're not gonna make it and then they recover. And a week later, they're out playing tennis or something, right? I, what God has done is so wonderful. The power that is displayed in a bunch of birds is nothing 
but it's something. And that guy couldn't create a single bird if he wanted to, the Antichrist. He can't do anything. He thinks he's this great guy that has all the power in the world, and he is absolutely, literally zero. And that's why he's going to get chucked alive into the lake of fires, because he failed to give God the glory that can make a murmuration of 20,000 starlings that do think, just type it in and watch it, and you will be astonished. And don't watch just you one, because yeah, some of them focus, yes, uh, don't turn it on now, because I don't want to get a, a copyright violation, but uh, if there's any music in the background, we oh, will. So, Is it um, M-E-R? No, M-U-R-M-U-R-A-T-I-O-N, murmuration. And uh, it, it is so amazing to watch them. And that, that'll be just one. Watch four or five so you get the... Some people focus too closely into it, and you can't... All you see is birds. You don't see what they're doing. But when you see what they're doing, oh, it's amazing. This guy failed to give glory to God, and that is the point. He thinks that he is something great, and he is absolutely nothing. Anyway, we got time, yes. Um, uh, being God and possessing God's unlimited power, Christ Jesus displays that power perfectly. Like in the murmuration of a bunch of birds, his signs are true and they are a confirmation of his place within the Godhead. He took water and he made wine. Mm. That's a great song, by the way. Johnny Cash, he turned, I better not do that. Anyway, um, yeah, he, he, he made wine. Johnny Cash made a song about it. He said, if I ever had an inspiration, it was when I went to Cana and saw where that miracle happened. He said, by the time we got to the next town, I had written this song. And he plays it uh, live for the people in the Folsom prison. And they're in there just, they're loving his words about Jesus. Okay, his wonders are intended to bring glory to God. On the other hand, the power of the Antichrist is limited. It is a false power merely granted to him until the fullness of judgment has come upon the world. Okay, this is something the world has decided they don't want God. They don't want anything to do with Jesus. And so he's going to give them exactly what they want. You want something else? Here it is. Okay, at that time it will be shown ineffective against Christ Jesus. His signs are false, proving that his power is not godly, but satanic. And his wonders are intended for self-glorification not the glorifying of God. Everything about him is a cheap knockoff, and it will eventually be proven as such. Life application, how easily people are deceived into believing lies. Even Christians are duped constantly by those who present false gospels. Galatians 1, 6 through 8. We've got 7 million Mormons or 2 million Mormons. They believe the false gospel, okay? I feel bad for them. They honestly believe that what they are following is correct. Jehovah's Witnesses do too, you know. They have faith, it's just misdirected faith, okay. We've got people that believe that Muhammad actually, you know, rode a horse up to heaven and that he's their guy, all right. All of these people are deceived, okay. False doctrines, Romans 16, 17 talks about false doctrines, false displays of power. Benny Hinn comes to mind, although I understand, I, I've never seen him since he gave that thing that I read in the prophecy report, but he says, I've had a complete change in my mind about the gospel and blah, blah, blah. So I don't know if he ever changed or not. I don't need to know. But at the time I wrote this, he was giving false presentations of power from God and false predictions. The rapture did not happen on 23 September of 2017, which there were millions and millions and millions of views on these people's sites. It's going to happen, blah, blah, blah. And when it ended, people still watch them. They still cling to these people. Okay, since 
September 23rd, 2017, which obviously is about the time that I typed this, I bet you I have seen 150 rapture predictions. Absolutely. Not one of them has come true. People believe, they want to believe nonsense instead of reading their Bible and getting down proper theology. Sensation. Yeah, sensation. How easy it is then, how easy then it would be for Christians to believe the false presentations of the Antichrist. They already believe everything false that's going on around them. How easy it would be. Now, this is a great argument for a pre-tribulation rapture, folks. Here it is. How easy then it would be for Christians to believe the false presentations of the Antichrist. They'd all be duped, every one of us. But such will not be the case. God will keep his people from such lies. I don't understand how anybody could say, oh yeah, I'm going to believe the Antichrist, you know, or I'm going to, I believe I'm going to go through uh, three and a half years under the Antichrist, okay? He doesn't just suddenly come to power and stand in the temple of God claiming to be God. He has to have power developed in order for him to get to that point. They already know who he is, okay? It's a perfect logical argument for a pre-tribulation rapture that we are so stupid as Christians that we believe nonsense all over they're real saved believers that believe that Benny Hinn was out healing people. They're real saved believers that are, yeah, they believe, they're duped into believing that they have to speak in some gobbledygook tongue in order to prove that they have the Holy Spirit. I talked to some last night or two nights ago, okay? These people believe these things, all right? Such is not the case. For now, the cure will be, the cure for being duped by false teachings is to Keep your nose in the Bible. That's right. Read, study, show yourself approved. Know your Bible. Okay. Uh, Jim was, one second, Jim was on a uh, uh, trip, business trip yesterday. He was up in his favorite place on the planet, Chicago. Okay. And afterward, he met a couple of people that were Christians. And, you know, they knew that they were saved by grace, and that's about all they knew, right? right. I mean, but they questioned a lot. Yeah, they had all kinds of questions, and he kept saying, it's right there, just yeah. read. And he, he would give them the verse. Oh, I don't need to write it down. I know where Corinthians is. I, but I pray that these people will read their Bible. They need to know. He wasn't belittling them. He was saying that they were truly curious. Fun. It was they a were, fun conversation. It was, he had a great conversation with them. They didn't know these. Things. And some of them were very basic, like we're going to have the judgment seat of Christ. I pray that those people will want to read their Bible. Because if you don't, you're susceptible to being caught in any false teaching on this planet, and you've got no reason to not believe it. None. Okay? Know your Bible. Know your Bible. Know your Bible. I don't care if you ever watch or come to the superior word again, as long as you keep reading your Bible. That is what's important. This is just a church, and we're going to be gone someday, replaced by something else or word, whatever, okay? Read your Bible. Know your Bible, and you won't be duped by people and that are telling you false stuff. Your anxiety level. Oh, yeah, the drop. anxiety level just drops like this. When you know Jesus, those other things don't matter. they no longer important. Burke, you got something. Romans 10, 4. Romans 10, 4. Of the law for righteousness for everyone who believe. That's right. The end of the law. The 
you were talking about this earlier, and I didn't have a chance to get That's that okay. Idea. I'm glad that you said that because that fits perfectly. If the law is going to be reinstituted in Israel, and there are Messianic believers in Israel, aren't there? Yes. If they have to go through three and a half years of the law, and they're forced under the law because they say you need to observe this, does that make sense to you? It doesn't make any sense at all to me. They're saved believers, and they're going to be taken out at the rapture. Christ is the end of the law for everyone. And so Jesus is going to say, okay, you Messianic believers in Israel are going to go through three and a half years of this, okay? I don't think so. Okay, now you could say, well, that's illogical because Christ died and the temple continued for 40 years. Well, that was a grace period given to them by Jesus' own words, the sign of Noah, okay? 40 years, yet 40 days in Nineveh will be destroyed. 40 years later, the temple was destroyed, okay? He was giving them grace. There's no need to do that. They already rejected him. Those people are going to go through seven years to bring them into the covenant, okay? I don't believe that the rapture is mid-trip. I don't believe it because it is illogical on several levels, which we've talked about today. We don't have time for another verse, but um, uh, if you want, I'll leave this up here until Sunday morning. You want to take a picture of it or something, that's fine. People online can screenshot it. You all got and, it. I just yeah. sent you. Oh, good. You. Good. Okay, so uh, that, that should, I hope, help you with this. I hope that uh, uh, I did that properly, I mean, in a way that you can understand it. Like I said, if you know how to do things like... Um, uh, charts and stuff, if that'll help you, go do it. But just read the words and follow what it says, and you can't make a mistake with this part of it. I've given you the other options for this part because I think that's an honest thing to do, okay? I don't agree with this, okay? And last thing, just so that anybody that's going to email John, uh, my friend, uh, um, uh, make sure that you do not tell him that I said that he believes in replacement theology. It was He's Jim. A, I know. Jim I, said it. I did not say that. Everybody, okay? can you hear that? Yeah. Jim said it. Okay. I don't want anybody to say that, and then, oh, gosh, I'll have a problem in all these emails and anger. I don't want that. I love the guy. Okay? So, it Heavenly Father, thank you for the chance to come into your presence, and thank you for the surety that we possess. Lord, I do I do not believe that it makes logical sense that, uh, that the rapture is going to happen at any other time than before the signing of the peace deal. And so, Lord, if I'm wrong, then I'm the one that will have to stand before you and account for that. And I tried to give the options for other people to think about and to decide on their own. But either way, we will be with you. And that is a certainty, and we don't have to worry about being counted worthy. We are because of the shed blood of Christ. So thank you for him and what he has done. And we praise you in his exalted name. Amen. Amen. Charlie, have yes. you seen the new following where they're saying that AI is the Antichrist. Oh, I've seen that, absolutely. It's not because the AI isn't going to sign a peace deal with Israel. But I have seen that. I've seen, yes, many such things. And that is, once again, it's totally pointless to watch that because you're wasting your time. We're not going to know who it is. Let me back this up and uh, we'll say goodbye to the folks online.